Good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Brian Weber, and uh, good friends of the Manders family, and uh, served for um, uh, 15 years at Grace Point, which is uh, you know sister church of this place, and uh, currently um, work for Compassion International. Um, some of you might uh, know that organization. I'll mention it a little bit later too, and uh, actively. Um, uh, working with a small team to launch a ch- another church in uh, Pendel, which is going really well. So it's a pleasure to be with all of you uh, here today. And I invite you to take out your Bibles with you. So we're going to flip around a little bit because we've been looking at this theme of the Great Commission. Great video, by the way. Um, can't, um, uh, there's going to be a lot of similarities to what we talk about here uh, because Jesus is, is absolutely, when he gives this Great Commission, putting the future of his kingdom into your hands as well as mine, and um, which is what that video talks about. So um, we're going to be looking a little bit in Hebrews 5 and John 14 today. So you want to stick your fingers in there, and then I'll put those, some of the words will be up on the screen as well. Let's say a quick prayer together. Lord Jesus, we, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to come and to uh, teach us as we look in your Bible uh, today and try to learn from you about what you want from us and help us uh, to uh, discern it well and apply it well to our lives so that we can become better people today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So on on January 10th this year, um, David Bowie passed away. And I don't know if you guys are classic rock fans. If you grow up in this area, probably are, because it's a big classic rock area. I don't know if you knew, the the, the, uh, um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was almost in Philadelphia. It was like the second location that, I don't know why Cleveland got it, but, you know, it should be here, right, you know? And when, um, when I was growing up, there were three radio stations that played classic rock music, so we were obviously very familiar uh, with David Bowie's music. And he um, successful, kind of successfully kept the secret that he had been battling with cancer, because the news was rather sudden to the world, but obviously he had been battling cancer. And during that time, he wrote music, wrote an album called Black Star, which it turns out to have been, with his mind, he writes this music knowing that he's going to pass away, sort of his goodbye to the world. And um, the last track on the album is even called Lazarus, named after the the man that Jesus raised from the dead. And um, there's one line in it where he says, um, look up here, I'm in heaven. He's, he seems like he's wrestling with his mortality and sort of hoping for some kind of salvation. And uh, in the music video, he's writing letters to people um, in, his, in his life. And it just made me think, you know, you know, what would you say to people if you knew that they would be your last words? You know, that's, that's kind of what we're looking at here when we do this series on the Great Commission. These were Jesus' last words. And we have to imagine that Jesus felt like these were really important things to say because, I mean, the context is a little different. He's not on his deathbed, right? Um, Jesus died on the cross, we read in the scriptures, and then he rose from the grave and then spent some time uh, with his followers and then comes to this moment when he is on the, uh, the hilltop with his followers, his close disciples, and he says these words right before he ascends into heaven. And um, we know them as the Great Commission. You know, Jesus tells his followers what he wants them to do. Is how he uses his last words. And in us, 2,000 years later, as Christ followers ourselves, these are words that we can take for us. 
of, of what he wants us to do. And so Ross has named this series, How We Change the World. And let me just read these two verses real quick. This is what Jesus said, you know, verses 18 through 20. So Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. So when Jesus says these um, words, he um, there's really one, I'm sure you guys have looked at it a couple times here already. This is the fourth week, I think, of the series. So there's really one verb in the original language. It doesn't translate that way in English so much. But there's really one verb in the, in the whole uh, middle sentence there. And that's the verb, make disciples. Jesus' command to his followers is to go and make more followers of Jesus, help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And then around it, he puts these um, participles, you know, words that end with I-N-G. Um, the first one he says is going. It doesn't appear that way in this English version, right? But going, in other words, as you go, I want you to do this. The second one is baptizing. You guys probably talked about that last week, right? Share the good news with people so that they become believers in him and welcome them into Christian community, right? And then the third one, this is what we're going to look at today. Jesus says this, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So these three ways Jesus wants us to, go, to make disciples. He wants to do this by going, baptizing, and teaching. And we're going to look at that third one this morning. And as we do, I want you to remember two lessons. And the first one is this. Everyone teaches. Everyone teaches. And to kind of look at that, I want, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Just two verses there. Three, I, I mean. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. This is sometime later. The apostles have heard Jesus' message, and they have gone and planted churches around uh, the Mediterranean area. And this is a letter that one of those apostles, we're not sure which one, so he's often just called the author of Hebrews. Maybe it's Paul. But he writes to um, the church in Jerusalem, to the Hebrews there. And we see he gets a little frustrated with them here. And this is what he writes in Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What I want you to see here is there's kind of three stages that um, that Hebrews instructs the people about how they engage with God's word. And you can tell he's a little frustrated with them because he says, you know, by this time you ought to be teachers. The author, uh, Hebrews' expectation for the people is that they all become teachers, all of them. But he says that they haven't gotten that way. You know, oftentimes this text is misunderstood, and it's often used to criticize preachers for not teaching solid food, right? And that's not the point of this at all. 
The point is, the, the, the Christians in the church. And he says to them, you know, I've been teaching you for a long time, and it's good that you have a teacher and that you learn. But if all you do is learn from a teacher, that teacher, no matter how good he is, even if it's the Apostle Paul, no matter how good he is, he's only going to take you this far. He says, but as you grow up, you stop having someone spoon feed you, right? And instead you start eating for yourself. And he says, look, that's the next part. You see that down in verse 14. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves. That second step in spiritual growth is learning how to read God's word for yourself, learn from it for yourself, learn in the context of other believers. He says, a teacher is going to take you this far, and then you'll go a little further when you start reading the Bible for yourself. And then you know when you're really going to learn? When you take that next step and you become teachers of others. And that's where you all need to be, Christians, Hebrews says. And that becomes, for us, a place, this is where Jesus is telling us, here in the Great Commission. And you might object, and you might say, well, you know what, I'm not a teacher. Come on. Doesn't the Bible say that God gives some people to be pastors and teachers? Yes, that's true. God has given some folks unique talents, and then those are the people who become like school teachers and professors and preachers. But that's not the kind of teaching that Jesus is talking about in this text here. Jesus expects all of his followers to make more followers of Jesus. And therefore, at some level, we are all meant to be teachers. And this is for our own spiritual growth and also for the spiritual growth of others. See, the problem here is, is that we get the wrong expectations. You know, a lot lot of Christians kind of feel like, okay, teaching means that you have to stand up in front of a lot of people and talk, and I can't do that. Or you have to be specially trained. You know, I, I'm not specially trained. And so most churches have just a few teachers, and then everybody else is learners. But you see what happens? The church has made it too hard to be a teacher, and then they dumb down what it means to be a follower of Jesus as someone who just comes to church on Sunday and listens to what the preacher says. But Jesus is doing the exact opposite. He is making it easier. He is lowering the bar of what it means to be a teacher so that everyone can do it. And then he's going to raise the bar of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ so that everyone will do it. Jesus says everyone teaches. And here is the standard of teaching. Uh, You can flip with me or you can look on the screen here. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is the standard of teaching that is taught in the scriptures and what Jesus does himself. And this is Moses, okay? He's at the end of his life. He's been leading the people of Israel. And he comes to these instructions for the people. Deuteronomy 6, starting with verse 4, Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's one of the most standard teachings of the Bible, right? There is one God alone. And then Moses says to them, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your strength, right? You've heard that before. 
right? Jesus says it. He quotes Moses, right? These are two of the most important teachings in all of the Bible. And it said, these commands I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Moses likes to say this a lot. He says, I'm not telling you God's word, God's commands, so that you just know them in your head. I want you to know them in your heart because if you know them in your heart, you'll love them and you'll live them, okay? And then he says this. Look at uh, verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road. And when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He says, take these these commands that I give you that that you learn to love and live out. Okay, and this is what I want you to do. I, I want you to teach the children. Like when they get up in the morning and you guys are having breakfast, pray together, talk about what the Bible says. When, when you lay down to go to sleep at night, tell the kids some Bible stories. Talk to each other about the Bible, you know? Take, take Bible verses and put them in picture frames and hang them on your walls or on the outside of your house. When you're walking down the road, tell each other about what you're learning. You see, the point here is that Anyone can be this kind of teacher. Everyone teaches. Neil Cole is a, uh, a pastor in Southern California, and uh, he was a guy that you know, kind of helped me understand this a little bit more. And, and he shared this story with me. I thought it was really cool. He said one time he went to a high school, and uh, there were some high school students that um, had a Bible study that they did on campus after school. And he was going, he had heard about it, so he was going to go and visit. And he said it was really neat. It was like 12 or 13 students. You know, one of them had a guitar, another one a tambourine. They sat around in the circle, and they sang some worship songs together. And then they opened up God's Word, and they read it together. And, and obviously they were, they were meant to read it on their own throughout the week. Because that day when they read it and they opened it, they started asking each other's questions and, they, and each of them shared with each other what they had learned that week from that Bible message. And, and Neil's like, this was awesome. And so he said, at this point, I interrupted them. And I asked him this question, Neil said. He said, thank you for letting me come here today. This is really great. You know, I just was curious. What's the largest church you had ever gone to? And this is Southern California. There are huge churches in Southern California. And uh, so they start naming these different churches with thousands and thousands of people. And then Neil asked the students this question, how many of you think you could start a church like one of those? And none of them raised their hand. And then he asked them this question, how many of you think like if your family moved to another high school could start another group like this one? And all 13 of the kids raised their hand. And he says, see, that's the point. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. This is something that all of us are meant to do. Everyone teaches. You don't have to stand up in front of a crowd to be a teacher. Every time you share with someone how God has changed your life, you are a teacher. Every time you pass on something that you've learned from the Bible, you are a teacher. When you ask your neighbor to go fishing with you, you are a teacher. When you ask your niece to bake cookies with you, 
you are a teacher. When you go on a hike with your friends, you are a teacher. And we learn this from Jesus because this is exactly what he did. In the Gospels, Jesus taught people while he was fishing, while he baked breakfast at a campfire on the beach, while he was walking with his friends. Anyone can teach like that. And so here's a heart question for you, a question for your heart to consider. Who are you teaching? A, um, a friend of mine runs a youth ministry, and he uses this concept. He calls PB&J, you know, like peanut butter and jelly. And it stands for three uh, guys in the New Testament, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. And the central figure there is Barnabas. Barnabas had a coach. His coach's name was Paul. It was his teacher. Someone was vesting in his life. And then Barnabas had someone he was coaching, someone he was investing in. His name was John Mark. And he sets this up as a standard. Every one of us can use a teacher in our life, someone we ask to be our coach and to help us become better people. And all of us should have at least one person that we're investing in. So parents, you can teach your own kids. You can volunteer in the children's and youth ministries here at the church. I'm sure uh, Kate and Josh would love some more volunteers. My, um, my father's a retired guidance counselor. Uh, he connected with a ministry called Abundant Life, and they uh, um, set, it's a prison ministry, and they set you up with a, an inmate in uh, one of the Bucks County prisons that you can go and visit. And my dad goes and visits this guy every Tuesday in prison so that when it's his time to be released, he can feel more confident about living a better life. You can invite a younger couple over to dinner. Say you're, you're an older couple, couple who've been married a long time. Younger couples need to know what a lasting marriage looks like. Invite them over to your house and have dinner with them. You can coach a youth sports team. Bo Boschers is a pastor in the Midwest, and he says, this doesn't have to add any time to your day. Just do the things that you normally do, but bring a younger Christian with you. He likes to, uh, Bo Boschers likes to bring guys to the gym with him, to exercise with him. And many of you know I work for Compassion International, and Compassion's child development programs are, um, happen inside local churches all around the world in some of the poorest neighborhoods in the world. And they're operated by the people who attend those local churches, like you guys would here. And they're always thinking of creative ways that they can teach the kids skills for life and at the same time teach them the truths of Scripture in the Bible. So here's a little two-minute video. I want, to sh- I want you to see this. Be inspired of it. How could you uh, maybe teach people based on the skills that you have? I don't want you to miss the point. I want you to know that, like, that guy who teaches surfing, the martial arts instructor, the cooking instructor, those, those are normal church folks like you and me. But they have a skill, and they've determined to use that skill to, to teach people. They teach these children and at the same time, encourage them in their walk with Jesus. And that's Jesus' point here when he, when, he, when he talks to his followers and he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to you. One of these things I want you to, to remember today is that everyone teaches, and that includes you and me. And then there's a second one. 
and that's this. The purpose of teaching is obedience. The purpose of teaching is obedience. We get this confused all the time, too. We think, okay, we want to teach. What's the content that we should teach? Well, we should teach the commands, right? And Jesus doesn't say that at all. He doesn't just say, teach them everything I commanded you. No, he says, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. And that is substantially different. James, later in the New Testament, says even even the, the demons know the commands of Jesus, right? But we are followers of him because we obey the commands of Jesus. And when we teach, that's what we should do. Jesus tells a parable that, you know, you can look everywhere in Scripture to find these. I find this parable kind of fun. I'll modernize it a little bit. Jesus says uh, that, um, you know, uh, talks about a dad who has two boys. You can imagine two teenage boys, right, and on a Saturday morning, asleep in bed. But the dad owns a farm, and he, ha- he needs some help on the farm. And so he goes into the one boy's room, and he knocks on the, on the door and says, Son, get out of bed. I know it's Saturday, but I need help on the farm today. And the son complains and says, There's no way, Dad, I'm getting out of bed. And he rolls over and falls asleep. And the dad leaves. But then he's like, you know, the boy says, You know what? Dad told me to get up. So he gets up, gets dressed, and walks out and works all day on the farm. And the dad goes into the other room, and he knocks on the door, and he says, son, wake up. Son number two, wake up. I need help on the farm today. And that son says, sure, dad, I'll be up in a minute. But he rolls over and falls asleep and never goes out to the farm. So Jesus asks the people after telling the story, which of the two sons does what the father says? The answer is the first one, right? Yeah, he complained about it, but he got up and he went out and worked on the farm. And Jesus used this as an example of, of saying, what God wants most of all is obedience. More than lip service, more than anything else that you can say or do or dream of, nothing matters more to Jesus than your obedience. It's the way that Jesus feels loved, the way God feels loved. When we just obey him. If you do nothing else in your life but be fully obedient to Jesus' commands in the Bible, it says that we will be blessed by God. Jesus says this. I want to, Ross read a little bit from uh, John chapter 15. I wrote Luke in my notes. I had Luke in my mind, but I know it's John. <laughs> John chapter 14 and, and 15. Just, these are, it's interesting. Uh, Jesus has two last words, right? He has his last words before he was arrested and crucified, and he had his last words before he went up into heaven. These, this is among Jesus' last words before he was arrested, and he's talking to his followers, and he says to them, just look at a couple verses here. Uh, verse John uh, 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, Keep my commands, right? Jesus boils down our love for him to one thing. Follow his commands. In verse 16, he writes this. And I will ask the Father, uh, the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The, word, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Here we have a conditional promise that the more that we obey Jesus' commands, the more access we have to his Holy Spirit in our life. And the more we will experience the presence of God in our life. Verse 19, it says, Because I live, 
you also will live. And on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus um, promises a more abundant life to people who will follow his commands. And we will experience the characteristics of Jesus in our life, like love and peace and kindness and so forth. And it's the access to it is our obedience. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Here Jesus promises that he will reveal himself to us, and the Father will reveal himself to us, and we'll know more about God by obeying him. Verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And these words... You here are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Here's another conditional promise. The more that we obey God, the more that we experience God's love. And it's not like God withholds our, his love for us because, you know, the Scripture tells us that God always loves us. This is what the works. When we turn our back from God and do our own thing, we walk away from God's love and don't experience it. But when we turn to God and do what he asks us to do, then we open ourselves and come closer to God's love and experience it more. And Jesus says, I'm not making this stuff up. These are God's own words, and I'm sharing them with you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When we obey God, we have a sense, a greater sense of God's peace in our life, and it gives us courage to face the challenges each and every day that we face in life. Flip ahead to to John 15. And uh, Ross actually read the first six verses of this earlier. I'm going to start in verse 7. Jesus says, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Look at that. God will answer our prayers when we prove that we love him through our obedience. Verse 8, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we obey God, then the good things that we do in our life will bring glory to him. And he will be pleased with our lives. Skip ahead to verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Again, we can experience more of God's love when we follow him. But here's another interesting thing with this verse. Jesus sets himself up as an example here. He says, I've followed my father's commands. Emily brought this up earlier, right? He says, I, I, I follow my, Jesus says, I follow my father's commands. I want you to follow me. Do as I do. And I, and I think that the only way that we teach others to obey God is when we obey God ourselves. That, you know, that old phrase, right? Do as I do, but not as I say, right? That has no place in the kingdom of God. That's the way that the religious teachers were in Jesus' day, and he criticized them harshly time and time again for that attitude. And then Jesus said to his followers, follow me, right? Do what I do and do what I say. 
And then as, as teachers ourselves, I think we need to have the same attitude. We need to, um, for the folks that are around us, we need to be willing to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Look at that. When we are obedient, Jesus considers us his friends. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So when we obey God, the things we do make a difference. Right? And this is why Ross titles the series, How We Change the World. And God promises to answer our prayers. And then Jesus summarizes his great command like this. He says, if you forget a lot of the things that I taught you, just do this. Just love people. And if you do that, you will obey my commands. So are you convinced? Do you get it that nothing matters more to Jesus than your obedience? In Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. And so according to Jesus, the purpose of teaching is obedience. So this is the heart question for you and me this morning right here. Do you strive to be fully obedient to Jesus? And remember Jesus' strategy, right? He is reducing what it means to be a teacher so that everyone can teach. And then he's increasing what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He says, I want you to obey me and, do, and, and show that you love me by your obedience to my commands and the Father's commands. And then we become these fully committed followers of him that change the world through our acts of kindness. Pastor um, Dave Stone, who's a pastor in Louisville, Kentucky, shares this story. He says he was, um, he was on a mission trip in the Dominican Republic, and his 10-year-old son was with him. And it was um, not a busy street, but there were some you know, cars on the street. And his son was kind of playing around and running around all, all different places. And there was loud music. And so uh, he has, um, had a... a a vantage point that his son didn't see. There was this um, moped speeding down the street, and his son was running around. So he just yells out to his son. His son's name was Sam. Sam, don't move. And Sam stops immediately, and the moped goes right by him. And he's just remarking, like, wow. You know, my son obeyed me, and if he didn't, he might have gotten hit by that speeding moped. And, to, and, and in a way, this is the kind of obedience, this kind of simple obedience that God wants from us. Many Christians say they believe in God, but they live their life like they don't. They just go and do their own thing. And when they do, they, op- they first of all, they show that they don't truly love God. But secondly, they also open themselves up to all kinds of negative things that can happen in their life. You know, hatred and and uh, uh, you know, selfishness and addictions and all kinds of things when we go our own way and don't follow what Jesus wants for us. But when we simply obey him, like Sam does to his dad, not only do we show that we love God, but we also 
put ourselves in a place where God can keep us safe and bless our lives, just like Jesus said all those things in John 14 and 15. And so are you striving to be fully obedient to Jesus? This month you are studying the Great Commission. These are Jesus' last words on earth before he ascends into heaven. And they are some of the most important things that Jesus ever said. In Matthew 28, 20, one of his phrases is this, help um, uh, teaching people to obey everything that I commanded you. And this is the, one of the ways that we help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus. And this morning, I want you to remember two lessons. First, everyone teaches. And the heart question is, who are you teaching? And the second lesson is this. The purpose of teaching is obedience. Are you striving to be fully obedient to Jesus? Both for your own sake and so that you can be an example to others. Nothing matters more to Jesus than your obedience. And God feels most loved when we obey him. Let's pray. God, it's amazing that you had this um, idea to, um, after you, uh, you know, departed this world up into heaven, that you had placed um, the kingdom of God into the hands of your followers. To, to go and make more followers and to um, start new churches and to help each other uh, to love you more and follow you more. And um, we learn, you know, from your words that being a Christian isn't a spectator sport like football, you know. It's, a, it's something we, we're supposed to all be involved in by going and baptizing and teaching people to obey everything that you commanded us. And so, God, I pray that, um, that you would do that work in our heart, you know, no matter how young or old we are, that we would take advantage of every opportunity we have to talk about the things that we are learning. Maybe there's someone this week that I can share something that I am learning from the Scripture with. And I pray you would give us all these opportunities so that we can truly help more people become fully committed followers of you. And that through our lives, together, we might change this world for good until the day you return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may go in peace. Have a great weekend, guys.